I want to, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Capernaum today, and so I'm going to be through a number of texts um, in the scriptures, and they'll be up on the screen, some of them too small to read from where you're seated, uh, but you'll be able to see the text and be able to find it in your Bibles, and some of you may want to just dot down those and, and look at them later. Um, but our first, our first picture, as I get to there, uh, from when I was... Uh, I, I absolutely loved the area of Galilee. That was my favorite part of, of the trip to Israel. And this, uh, the map, um, we can go to, yeah, there. I want, I want you to see a couple of things here. Um, there's Nazareth, uh, Cana, where Jesus did the wedding. This is the where Jesus, his home was. But then he, as he became an adult and went into ministry, made Capernaum his home up there on the sea. Uh, I'm going to mention Arbel here in just a few minutes, and Tiberias is where we stayed the first five days we were in Israel. It's the main city around the Sea of Galilee there. But um, our, our Macedonian ministries group, um, this picture was taken um, right at the top of Mount Arbel, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And the next picture is, is uh, again, over the Sea of Galilee, by the way, that's eight miles across there and about 15 miles long, uh, north to south. And then the next picture is uh, just the topography of the land around there. And a um, lot of... That would just all be desert if it wasn't for the Israelites and what they've done with springs and, and all of that. Um, lots of orchards, vineyards, wheat fields, grazing pastures and all of that. The next one is, is just kind of interesting. It's a, it's a banana field. Um, and so there's just banana trees. And um, you see the net there. I don't know how well it shows up. Um, but the, uh, the banana field there um, is covered in net. And that's net that the Israelites have made, uh, created and patented and all of that. And um, it keeps out the birds of prey, keeps out a lot of the insects, and it prevents the sun from scorching the plants. And so you'll go through Israel, and you'll just see miles and miles of fields covered in this net. And it's just, just amazing. That's a lot of work. You know, you stop and think about having to put up all the poles and keep that net up and then take it down when you go to harvest. And some of it gets to stay up all the time, but um, a, lot of, a lot of work goes into that. Um, and then the other thing that Israel produces uh, that they designed and produced is all the irrigation hoses, and you see them everywhere, every field, every house. If they have any greenery on their yard, um, it's got irrigation pipe in it. And so they, they did that. Here's a field of olive trees, and uh, one of the interesting things I learned about olive trees is they can live, not here in North Dakota, but they can live for up to 2,000 years. And in the Mount of Olives um, that I saw in Jerusalem, they actually believe that there's two trees there that actually were there when Jesus was there. <laughs> and they can still produce fruit. And that gave me hope that as I get old, I can still produce fruit. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, uh, the next one is... Uh, in, in Capernaum, and we're moving down to where I want to start preaching at, but um, you'll see this um, millstone and sea, and uh, 
there is what they call the millstone, and right there would have been, uh, you know, a beam coming out that would have been connected to an oxen, an oxen, and they would have just gone around, and they would have pressed. This is called the sea, and they would have put the olives in there, and pressed it, and then the um, oil would have come out of that, and they would have filled it down here in this well down here, and the the um, extra virgin oil that we buy, um, that's the stuff that floats at the top like cream on milk. It's the light oil. And the stuff in the bottom then, uh, after you skim off the extra virgin oil, the stuff in the bottom was used for heating oil and all kinds of other purposes, but it's just not near the quality and it's a lot heavier. Um, you... That was just thrown in. That's your tip for the day. So, <laughs> But the interesting thing on that is when Jesus was talking about um, uh, having uh, warning us about causing a young one to sin, he could have been talking about this millstone and that sea as opposed to a millstone around our neck and thrown into the Mediterranean Sea. He might have been just talking about being crushed. <laughs> going around that. And we don't know which one he was referring to, but either one works. Um, And then the next one is an artist rendition of what the synagogue of Capernaum would have looked like during the Byzantine era. That is the 4th and 5th century, and that is about as far back as we can find any synagogues in Israel, uh, the remains of them. And so... But they also know that the synagogues, when Jesus was there, wouldn't have changed much because they didn't change for centuries very much. And so this is pretty much what the synagogue that Jesus taught in a lot in Capernaum probably looked at uh, looked like. Um, and then uh, the next slide shows us um, the inside of the what's remaining of that Byzantine era synagogue. Uh, You'll see in the center there, um, this area is called the prayer hall. And there the teaching would have been done. Remember in those days in the Jewish synagogue, everybody stood. And the only person who sat was the rabbi. And so we could go to that where I sit and you all stand while I preach. But we haven't done that yet. But anyway, um, that's where all the men would go. And then over here on both sides, you see a cement bench. And there's a cement bench over there that you can't see, and an aisle here. And this is the the court of the women and children uh, in the Jewish synagogues where where they would meet. Um, and then the next one, uh, real close to that, is a brand new Capernaum church. This is my second favorite modern church I saw in Israel. Uh, not something I'd want to build here, uh, so take a breath. <laughs> but, but still, I just loved it because it was full of glass all the way around. All kinds of light floating in without too much direct sunlight because the roof covered it uh, quite a bit. But, and you look straight out and you could see the Sea of Galilee. And uh, you see Father Brian kneeling to pray there uh, as he was with us. But not too comfortable. I never went anywhere in all of Israel where I saw a padded pew or a padded chair. Um, So this wouldn't have been all that comfortable, and there's no back or anything on the benches. 
Um, but it was uh, wonderful acoustics and wonderful architecture um, and, and just really, um, really interesting to me. Um, now, the next picture shows you that that's the inside um, of this building back there behind the trees. And, and I'm, I'm uh, by the way, for some of you wondering if I really went, I'm right there. Um, and then it's kind of built like a concrete spaceship. <laughs> and, so it's, and the reason they did that is it's on cement beams holding it up where they can go down and do archaeology underneath it. Because underneath that, if you go to the next slide, Laura, um, underneath that, they've done all this excavation and they believe that, that Peter's mother-in-law's house was built, this church is built on top of that. So there's levels of archaeological work, I can't say that word, uh, underneath that church that I saw showed you the picture of inside. Now, we're back to the map of Galilee, and I'm ready to start my, uh, uh, my message from Capernaum. Um, I want you to think this morning about all that Jesus did and said in this town of Capernaum. And I've tried my best to try to put it in chronological order, and Luke, who wrote his gospel that way, um, helped me a lot with that. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to start with Luke chapter 4 and verse 23. And G- Jesus is down in Nazareth, the town where he grew up, where it was, it was his hometown. And he says to them, because they're rejecting him, they don't want to hear him, they're saying, um, you, we know you. You can't be the Messiah. You can't have, you know, you, you can't teach with authority. You can't do these miraculous signs. We know you too well. And so they are rejecting Jesus, and Jesus says to them, Surely you're going to quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. He hasn't gone to Capernaum yet, but he has already decided that Capernaum is going to be hometown for him while he does his three years of ministry here on earth. And so before he goes to Capernaum, he tells the people in Nazareth, you're going you're gonna to hear about what I do up there, and you're going to want me to come back and do it here. <laughs> kind, of, kind of an interesting passage. And then in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew tells us that Jesus leaves Nazareth, and he goes to Capernaum, and this is what the prophet Isaiah says about Jesus in the land of Capernaum. Verse 16, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land... Um, of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And Jesus is, is saying, you know, Matthew's saying about Jesus, the reputation of Jesus was that he went there to a place that was dark and he was light. And you know, you and I live in a world that is increasingly dark. The darker it gets, the brighter any light shines. And and I want to say to you today, don't forget that in the midst of the darkness, God has called us to be light. That's what Jesus was at Capernaum. He was a light in the middle of darkness. Now, Mark chapter 1, 
verses 21 through 28. You can also find it over there in Luke chapter 4. But Jesus and his disciples, they head to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath comes, just as was his, his custom, every time he, the Sabbath day came, Jesus went to a synagogue, wherever he was, and he would teach in it. And so Jesus went to the synagogue, he began to teach, and the people were amazed at what he said and what he, at his teaching and all of that. Um, and they said, yeah, you have authority when you teach, you're not like the, the normal teachers of the law. And um, there was this man present who was demon-possessed. And they cried out to Jesus, what do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. And Jesus said, be quiet and come out. And this, the, the demon shook the man violently and, and he came out of him with a shriek. And the people were not only just as amazed with his teaching, but they also asked, who is this? Um, a new teaching with authority. He gives orders to demons and they flee. And news began to spread around that whole area of Galilee about Jesus. Now, you go then to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. There's a, there's a long passage there. And Jesus has been, you know, in, in between these passages, Jesus has been there and he's been back and gone again. And there's about 30 miles between Nazareth and Capernaum. And Jesus is in and out all over there. One of the things that really intrigued me um, when I was in Israel is just how much Jesus walked. <laughs> we don't think anything about it when it says, and Jesus went too, and Jesus went too. And when he got there, I'm telling you, Jesus was physically fit. <laughs> he kept himself busy and his disciples busy just walking from one place to another all over the place. And I know it's not like walking to uh, Minnesota or Iowa or something like that because Israel's a small nation, but Jesus was always on the move. And so Jesus once more visited Cana. He's been there at the wedding, did the wedding at Cana, He's gone, he's been up in Capernaum, and now he goes all the way back to Cana. And when he gets there, there is a Roman, uh, Roman officer, a royal official, who would be a Gentile, not having a, a Jewish background at all. And he comes, and, he, and he's from Capernaum, and he says, you know, he's heard that Jesus is there. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says, you know, uh, my son, he's, he's dying. He's close to death. And... Um, he says, I want you to heal him. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. It didn't disturb that man one iota. He just went right on and says, yeah, but I want you to come heal him. <laughs> right now, this is my need. <laughs> and, and so um, he says, come before my son dies, my child dies. And so Jesus said to him, no, you just go, your son will live. And the man left, and on the way home, a servant came and told him that his boy was living. And, and so he asked him, well, when did that happen? When did he turn the corner? And when they told him, the man realized that's exactly the time when Jesus said, go, your son will live. And so that was the second sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. But it's interesting, 
that Jesus is down in Cana and he's doing a miracle in Capernaum. We talked about time travel a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the Sea of Galilee and how immediately Jesus went from here in the Sea of Galilee to the shore. And here you see Jesus doing a miracle while he's here in this town that affects somebody way up there in Cana. Fascinating uh, to watch Jesus do that with a with a Gentile Roman officer who had no reason to believe, but he believed. And then you come to, to, to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and Jesus again enters Capernaum, his hometown. And they've, the people are excited. They've heard he's come home. They love all the miracles and his teaching and all of that. And so they gather around and there's no room for people to get to Jesus. I mean, it's just packed and crowded. And there's this paralyzed man that four men decide, well, we need to get him to Jesus. I don't know what their motives were. They just wanted him healed. And so they picked him up and brought him, but they couldn't get him into Jesus. It was too crowded. There's no way to get four men plus a cot and all of that in into Jesus. And so, you know, you stop and think of the effort of those four men. They didn't give up. They pressed ahead and they said, well, let's take the steps. <laughs> And they hauled the man in the cot. I can't, that would have taken some work. And they're probably narrow steps that weren't wide enough for two men and a cot uh, to go up just like that. It probably took some work to get those, those guys up there on the roof and then cut a hole in the roof and lower the man down right in front of Jesus. <laughs> and when Jesus sees the man, he doesn't lay his hands on him and heal him. That's what we all expect. No, Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Everyone has been excited about Jesus coming back home. And then all of a sudden he says the wrong words. <laughs> and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teacher of the law are very concerned and they say, You can't do that. That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is thinking, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> but they're not getting it. And Jesus says, well, just to show you that, you know, it's not any harder to forgive sins than it is to heal or vice versa, but just to show you that I have power to forgive sins, he tells the man to get up, take his mat and go home. And he heals him at that moment. Well, and the people are amazed. And they say, they praise God and they say to one another, we have never seen anything like this. So far, that's all the things that have happened in Capernaum. Jesus leaves, does some other things in other towns and villages and all of that, and he comes back another time to Capernaum. And when he enters, there's a Roman Gentile centurion who comes to him asking for help. And he says, Lord, my servant is home paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. Now, the interesting thing is, is this Roman centurion has a heart. Because it's not his son. It's not his family member. It's a servant. 
And he cares about his servant suffering. I mean, he could have just cast him out and been done with him because he's paralyzed. He's useless to him. But this Roman centurion has a heart. He cares about his servant and he takes him. He goes to Jesus and he, you know, he says, he, he, he needs help. He needs you. And Jesus says to him, well, what do you want me to do? Shall I come and heal him? And the Roman centurion has such incredible faith because he says, you know, I don't deserve to have you even come in my house. But if you will speak the word, he will be healed. Jesus was amazed at that kind of faith. Amazed because it came from a Gentile Roman person who was supposed to be a person of no faith. Amazed because it didn't come from the people, his own people that he came to save. And he tells you, I haven't found anyone. I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great faith. (laughs) Many people are going to come from the east and the west who didn't grow up as Christians, who know nothing of the faith, and they are going to come and sit beside Abraham. But the subjects of the kingdom, the Jews, will be thrown outside and into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, and let it be done just as you believed it would, and a servant was healed at that moment. Wow. And then we get to John chapter 6. And Jesus is back at the Capernaum synagogue and he's teaching. And this is a really long passage and I've cut out some of these, but John chapter 6, where Jesus talks about being the bread of life. And he just keeps coming back and talking about being the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And um, as, you know, as he's um, doing that, um, he makes the claim, you know, to be the manna, like the manna that came down for the Israelites in, uh, in the days of Moses. He says, I am the manna that comes down from the Father. I am from God, and eternal life is found only in me. And that irritated the religious leaders, the teachers of the law. Just like it does some days today, it, there are Christian pastors, quote-unquote Christian pastors, who get irritated when, when somebody preaches that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But it is the truth. These people didn't like that. They didn't want to hear that, that Jesus was the bread of heaven, that he, he was from God himself. They said, you know, um, we, we know who your mom and dad are. We know you didn't come from heaven. <laughs> and, and all of that. And he said all of that while he was teaching in the synagogue Capernaum. And then we get down to Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. You'll find it also in Luke chapter 10. And, and he's talking about different towns. Chorazin and several of the other towns in Israel. 
And he asked Capernaum, when he's back there in Capernaum, he says, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you. Uh, Just Sodom there. But Jesus here, he warns Capernaum about the consequences of unbelief. These are the people that had Jesus with them for three years. Done all kinds of miracles. Done miracles when he was away from them. There in Capernaum. They have heard Jesus teach week after week in the synagogue when he's been there. And the question I have to ask when you look at this text as Jesus winds down his ministry and gets ready to head to Jerusalem, his, some of his last words at Capernaum was that they had no faith. The Jews who had seen him and witnessed him and heard him. And the question for me this week is, okay, how much has God done for me? And yet I don't have the faith I should have. How much has God exposed me to that other people only wish they'd heard the gospel like I've heard it presented time and time again? The resource that I talked to you on on July 3rd, I think it was, um, you know, about the privilege that we have of living in the United States. And we can't squander that opportunity because people all over the world would just wish they could have been born in the place where you and I are born. You and I have a privilege with the gospel that people, thousands and millions of people don't have. We have Bibles stacked up in our houses side by side and people just wish they could have a Bible to read. Don't waste. Don't waste what God has given you. And Jesus says to Capernaum, I've been here for three years and you have no faith. Don't waste. Don't waste what God has given to you. The last time, the last time we see Capernaum mentioned in the, in the Gospels is when Jesus and his disciples get back and the ta- temple tax collectors, these are not the Romans, but these are the, the Jewish tax collectors and they, they have a two drachma tax that they charge everyone to keep the temple taken care of. And they go around and they come up to Peter and they say to Peter, um, doesn't your master, doesn't your teacher pay his tax, his temple tax? And Peter, Peter just answers, he said, well, of course he does. <laughs> and then Peter went to check it out with Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus as well. Does the king charge his own son tax? <laughs> it's like, you're supposed to get the idea, Peter, that I am the king's son. I shouldn't have to pay the temple tax. And then, you know, Jesus says to Peter, well, but we don't want to offend them. So, you go fishing, and the first fish you catch will have a two, uh, no, four drachma coin in it. So Peter goes fishing and pops the mouth open, and there's a four drachma coin in it, and he pulls that out, and Jesus tells him, now you go pay my tax and yours. <laughs> and that's the last time we hear a Capernaum in the scriptures. Now, I have, I have three questions that I want to pose to you uh, as, as I close in today. 
We talked about the two hometowns of Jesus. Nazareth and Capernaum. Jesus lived there and they rejected him. And I want to ask about the heart, your heart and my heart. It's where Jesus wants to have his hometown at. He wants to live in you. He wants to live in your heart. But sometimes we can get so familiar with him that we almost reject him. And, and, and so this morning I want to say, don't be Capernaum. Become the hometown of Jesus, but accept him and pull him in and, and make him the center of your life. And then I want to ask you, you know, does that kind of faith, do you have the kind of faith in Jesus where Jesus can forgive sins? Because sometimes we go to church all our life and we've got this sin that we just can't quite let Jesus forgive us for. And Jesus wants to forgive. That's why he came to earth. And if you're hanging on to some sin, Jesus wants to forgive it. And maybe we need more faith to believe that Jesus can heal and more faith to believe that Jesus can provide even the four drachma coin.